Welcome to Authors Revealed, I'm Becky Anderson. We are thrilled to have New York Times best-selling author Michael Carita here with his new book. It's called How It Happened. This is a crime thriller that will be the read of the summer. Well, Michael, welcome back to Anderson's. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much. And congrats on your new book, How Thank It you. Happened. And this is number 13. This is Lucky 13. Lucky yeah. 13, yeah. And I can't believe it since that debut book you wrote when you were 20. I sold it when I was 20. I wrote it when I was 19. 19. Yes, so. And you think 13 books in 14 years. 14 years. That's amazing. That's incredible. It's kind of, um, <laughs> You're a busy yeah, guy. <laughs> it, it surprises me because it doesn't feel like yeah. it's been all that long. Uh, and yeah. I guess I kind of feel like I should have five books out or something. But 13 seems like, oh, That's, wow, you have uh, the proverbial body of work out. And all no, it is a body of work. And you're, you're, <laughs> it snuck I mean, right up on me. Most authors don't, don't write that quickly, so I think that's just phenomenal. And uh, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. As long as people keep reading them, then I'll keep... Keep putting them out there. If so. you keep reading books like writing books like this, there won't be any problem. Thank you. But I, you know, I, I look, saw that you have it's three starred reviews, and you got the mother load of all reviews. You got a star Kirkus review, <laughs> yeah, which is which is so wonderful. So congrats on that. Thank you very so, much. Yeah, that's that was wonderful. Great to see. Yeah. So, um, so fourteen years you've been publishing, and it's you know for the first book it was uh, tonight I said goodbye. And I found an old copy that I had from 14 years ago. And but how does it feel now with with 13 books later from that from that first experience getting published? And how different is it for you now? Um, it, it feels surreal because, as yeah. I say, it just it went quicker than I'd anticipated. Yeah. Um, I would have thought that it would have gotten easier the writing process, yeah. and then I discovered, like most writers do, that it doesn't. You know, you still have the same challenges the uh, um from a, a business and book selling standpoint mm -hmm. it's been an entirely different landscape i was looking at my first two or four tonight i said goodbye uh none of those stores exist anymore oh wow yeah um, some are some were indies but they and there are a lot of borders mm -hmm. and some uh you know barnes and so went through that went through the rise of box stores and amazon and then um for me personally, being such a bookstore lover, it's been great to see I'm coming back to some indie stores, uh, obviously Anderson's, but then to see new, new stores with a lot of excitement and enthusiasm yeah. is yeah. just, um, that's very encouraging. Right, right, that's great. And so, so every time a new novel comes out, is it, do you get nervous? Because it's been out a week now. Yes. Um, I get I get nervous, and I always have a goal of having at least a draft of the new one done. Mm -hmm. um, I know that it'll be a very rough draft, but that way, if the reviews are really bad, or I think actually the more frightening thing is yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it's what I've had the good fortune to experience with this one, which is great reviews, but either one can get in your head. Sure. And oh, yeah. So I like to feel like the work is moving. You know, it's already... We're already on to the next. Yeah. Okay. Next step, okay. New characters. So, but published thirteen novels. I, you know, I think that's that's writing at this pace is pretty incredible. So, 
I mean, this is really, this is your job. This is what you do as a job. So, yeah. so what do you do every morning? Do you get up? Is there a certain goal you have of how many pages or how many words you write a day? Yeah, I do word count because I uh-huh. learned that I can, uh, I can cheat time very easily. And I can say, well, I'm going to do six hours a day, eight hours a day. And then I can spend that on three sentences. Um, word count to me is, it makes sure that I'm, there's forward motion and that keeps my my subconscious engaged I firmly yeah. believe that the subconscious understands what the book should be ahead of my conscious mind so mm-hmm. um, forward motion is good it also just it keeps the emotional highs and lows mm-hmm. from dragging you down yeah and you know I, I know you mentioned I, I was reading one of your blog posts about um, on writing Stephen King's yeah. book mm-hmm. which I have listened to several times on audio because I just I think it's a brilliant it was, book yeah. just a brilliant book and but you know, I think that is 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 so incredible. But when you think about the way you write, and did that book have a big influence on you? And, and do, were you a Stephen That's King huge. fan fan when you were younger? Yeah, it was. Um, in, his book on writing had an enormous impact, probably before his fiction. Really, I mean, I yeah. was a fan of his books, but on writing was it, it was the perfect guy, yeah. you know, right. across all right. levels. And so I went back and went back, and then I. A huge fan of his fiction. Actually, I just today, uh, today's the 22nd, so I've got his new book and I'm reading through it yeah. and I discovered he has a character uh, named Karita in it. So I appreciated <laughs> that little little tip of the yeah, hat. Right. And, uh, very nice. So he's Trooper John Karita yeah. and he oh, passes some evidence along. That's great. Yeah, that that well, was I, a thrill. I know he's a big fan of yours, so that's that's very cool. He's been very supportive. Yeah, yeah. So how, how, did, you, how did you get into, you know, crime fiction? How did that end up being your your forte when it comes to genre? I think we all gravitate towards stories we want to read and enjoy mm-hmm. reading. And so um, I, my father was a big film noir guy, uh, oh, Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. you know, sure. so had that background. And um, then I read, Ra- so it was kind of a progression of Raymond Chandler and Hammett to Connolly and Lane. And I just, I was in love with those stories I love the PI characters yeah, in particular right. the, the sort of more rogue investigators and mm-hmm. um, gravitated toward that and then with the King influence I ended up going towards some supernatural, supernatural stuff. right yeah, yeah. so what have, did you enjoy the supernatural and are we gonna are you gonna do any more yeah. supernatural in the future or yeah I, I loved those stories um, and I definitely am um, you'll, you'll you'll see me back in that okay band. all right yeah. very cool very cool so so this book how it happened is set in a small town in Maine and I know you you live up in Maine part of the part of the year right. and but it's interesting that the town is a fictional town called Port Hope right? yeah but then I was looking it up and Port Hope is Ontario and that was the fictional town that they used to film it Someone just pointed that out. And to me I thought in, that was so uh, interesting. So in we're Houston, back to Stephen so, King here. Yeah, <laughs> and I had no idea. Yeah, and it, it, that town looks perfect for sort of what I'm envisioning. Right. Um, so what I was really, I spent time in uh, a town called Tenants Harbor, which is by Port Clyde. These mm. are very tiny okay. little fishing villages in Maine. Uh. And then, um, so we we live in Camden, um, but I want I wanted a fictional town and. On the other side of the mountains from Camden, there's a town called Hope, and that's where we started out. And then we migrated down toward Port Clyde, so I just kind of merged the two. And then, um, yeah, the Stephen King universe has many tentacles, I guess, because someone just told me, you know, like, is this your sort of... Was I winking at it? Yeah, was was that a conscious thing or no? Several times, and I don't remember Port Hope, but then I learned 
they filmed they the filmed new one. They filmed it yeah. there, right, yeah. Yep. But this town and, and, and the people in it and, and the way you describe it and the, the visualness that you put into this book, it, it is a character in this Oh, thank you. I'm thrilled to hear that. Oh, my. And it's so, it's so incredible. So how do you make place a character and how does it feed into story? I'm always fascinated when authors can do that so well. I always want the setting to be... Um, in a position where it can be either friend or foe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, sometimes that has been very literal. I wrote a book called Those Who Wish Me Dead where we had forest fires involved. And at different times, the fire is an antagonist and then uh, actually sort of a protective figure, depending mm-hmm. how it's used. Um, Port Hope, I liked the, the sort of psychological friction it brought to Barrett, where if you're a seasonal resident up there, you feel like you know the place but the locals are like, oh, no, you, you do yeah, not right. know the place. Yeah, if you sure. aren't here in February when the nor'easters are blowing, you know, yeah. then you, you really aren't one of us. And yeah. um, so he sort of claims this expertise that the locals feel he doesn't actually have. Uh, right. So, so the premise of the novel, that a young couple... Uh, who are in love have been have been murdered, right. and um, they brought in. Um, there's an FBI agent named Rob Barrett. He's been coming, right. and he he has spent his summers growing up in mm-hmm. this town, which is so interesting. Now he's been sent here on this case, and he spent his summers with his grandfather. And there, I don't want to do any spoilers in no, the book, but yeah. but um, it's it's interesting his interaction because like you say he he was a summer a summer person right right? um and but it's so interesting where did where did the dna for rob barrett come from because he what an interesting character because he has some of that psychological baggage that he brings to this stuff i love the uh i love haunted characters because (laughs) of what you can do with the backstory and um i've always been drawn to that but barrett actually shifted a lot between drafts I think we've all read so many times and I've written so many times the savvy veteran investigator mm-hmm. who has this wealth of experience and is always a step ahead. And I thought it would be very interesting to, particularly for this story, to bring in a guy who only has an academic pedigree and he thinks that he is ready for the real world success and his first big win turns into a just debacle. Mm-hmm. And writing from the novice's point of view was um, to me it was a refreshing break because I'd yeah. written about people with experience before and this was a guy who he's he's haunted by the unknown and he wants to he wants to prove things so right. badly yeah. and um, I could relate to that you know in a, in a way having been a reporter and a PI um, I won't pretend to that equates to an FBI agent's expertise but at least I, c- I could get on the same footing of um, that desire to replace answers with truth. Right. And he was an interrogation specialist, so right. it's interesting. It's so interesting because things happen, and like I said, I don't want to give away too much of the book, but he ends up being sent off the case. Right. Uh, he becomes the boss of Butte. Yes. That's, that's right. <laughs> being sent to the Netherlands of Montana, right? Right. So, um, but it's so interesting... Well, see, I don't want to ruin the book, but he comes back because yeah. there's something in he wants to prove himself, but also too, there's so many law enforcement when a case is unsolved, it's like it's like an obsession that they have to figure it out. Yeah, I think yeah. the tenacity you need um, to stick with, particularly a cold case. Yeah, and also I wanted the um, the relationship and character dynamics to really drive him and so there's one twist in there the, the moment he doesn't he wants to put it away 
And so he keeps ignoring these phone calls and ignoring these developments. And then there's one twist of information um, about who, who it is who actually put up the money to bail his nemesis right. out. And when he hears that, um, you know, I didn't want to put in any reaction at all. I just end the chapter. And then the opening line of the next chapter is, he returned to Maine on the first week of May. Yeah. And it made sense to me that that would be the tipping sure. point and the reader would just, we'd get yeah, it. Right, know, right. Emotionally, he had to go back. And you know, there's another character in this. It's 20-year-old Kim- Kimberly Crapeau. Is that how you say it? Or Crapo? Uh, Crapo is how. Crapo. Yeah, Crapo. So. Okay. And, um, you know, she turns herself in and says she's been involved in the murder of this couple. Right. But she's she's an opioid addict, you know, mm-hmm. so she's she's a, a drug addict. But she's also one of these people that the whole town knows that never to believe anything she says. Right. So I, I love the way, and you do this in some of your other books, too, where there's the unreliable. It could be a witness. It could be a suspect. It could be... Even even the investigator, some some of right. this, it's like figuring out what the truth is and what isn't the truth. But I but I love the part because there's so much going on across this country. No matter it's rural, it's it's in large cities, it's in the suburbs. But the opioid crisis that right. is just huge, and. In, and I wrote, read one of your other blogs where you talked about it. You talked about how newspapers are so important in this whole piece when we're talking about this. So talk a little bit about her and her, her drug addiction and how you bring that into the book. Yeah, she actually um, in some ways became the uh, most sympathetic character mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And um, I did a couple drafts where she was dead from page one. She existed oh. only in the confession. Uh. And then... Um, Again, sort of the subconscious, you know, I realized that was a a misstep because I wanted to watch her play off Barrett and that Mm -hmm. tension. But I was in, traveling back and forth between Maine and Indiana, uh, the Portland newspaper had this fantastic series about the local victims of the epidemic up uh, there. And then I'd come home to Bloomington, Indiana and read, you know, the same thing. And it just really drove home how... um, pervasive it was and so I wanted to put a really human face um, on her and write her as empathetic empathetically as possible not sympathetic but she has actually a, a kind of strange nobility among all those characters and that there's no benefit for her to seek the truth but uh, uh. she feels like it's the one thing she needs to do and then in the midst of that she's also dragged down by this thing that can push it all away mm-hmm. and I you know when you read about the opioid epidemic a lot of people are trying to just sort of erase their circumstances yeah, and right. she seemed to uh, embody that to yeah me. you know we've had num- numerous deaths in the area and there was a great series in the Daily Herald which is uh, a suburban newspaper that that just really pointed out so much that was going on so right. Newspapers are so important. So getting it's, to that, I mean, they really yeah. are. Yeah, it's yeah. ground zero of yeah. uh, information. But then, uh, as a novelist, it's inspiration. Um, from my own experience, it was telling those stories in the community that really matter. Uh, that was a role that I felt was very sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed my experience there, and I just wanted to to make sure that. I'm telling my the people who are reading my novel that you know, hey, I'm getting this from, uh, s- you know, small town newspapers are are really doing a wonderful right. job, and right. obviously large newspapers too. Yeah. But right. I'm more scared for uh, for newspapers right now than 
you know, than yeah, uh, for sure. a lot of other things. Well, and the attacks on newspapers and their integrity and, and right. what's real and what's yes, fake, right? A lot yeah. of guys are fake news. Lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think we need investigative reporting and what newspapers do. It's yeah. essential for our society. And I yeah. feel like we have the heroes of the next uh, few years could end up being journalists, could end yeah. up being reporters. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, you know, in some of your books lately, and, and, and Ron is one of these characters where men who they have trauma or something in childhood or something with, within their lives, and they have this anger and yeah. this rage just waiting for something. And it's so interesting. So, and it, without saying anything about Rob, because we don't want to give away some of the stuff that happens in the book, but, you know, the psychological stuff that you put in makes your your book so much more meaty to read oh, I and and that. and i think you know it, instead of reading a book where it's it's all plot driven mm -hmm. there's so much more to think about i appreciate hearing and that. is that something you really work at to get that in there to make it it's sort of a you can read crime novels but it, when you read something like this it makes you think about more than just what's happening in the story itself yeah the uh, to me the goal uh, in crime fiction you should be uh, bumping up against the goals of literary fiction as you know frequently as possible and part of that is I want a story where the the plot is sort of the external um, look at the character's internal crisis and um, if we can take the events of the plot to find that psychological or emotional weakness of the character and blend them together then I you know I feel like I'm Hopefully, delivering a richer read for the, the yeah. audience. Yeah, because it's it's not only it it's great that way for your mind, but it's also you're combining it with a book you're going to read in one sitting. You're on the edge of your seat, and you're just going to keep turning the pages. I hope so. so. I, I mean, it's it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a perfect perfect storm of a great read. So. Well, thank yeah. you. That's, yeah. yeah, that's certainly the yeah. goal. Do you ever find yourself though with these psychological issues with your characters or the story itself that you end up going down a little bit of that dark hole? That's a great question, and um, absolutely, I, there are some scenes. There are scenes in that book uh, to discuss them will be spoilers, but yeah, right. that I carried with me. And I wrote a book called The Prophet, which yeah. is about two brothers and um, their response to the death of their sister. And uh, one of those brothers, Adam Austin, is a very haunted uh, man, and. I actually I realized I, I knew what his choice was mm -hmm. as I got toward the end of the book and I began to feel I took that with me I felt uh, sad and kind of weary yeah. when I would leave the desk and it took me a while to figure out why and yeah. it's because you attach you know you spend two a year or two years with these characters right. um, yeah. if if you're doing it right I think you do attach to what they're right. feeling and you need to figure out some way to to leave that aside so, uh, you know, your wife doesn't turn on you and chase you out of the house. So. <laughs> right. So it's a point of whether you're going to go down the deep hole or you're going to you're going to resolve it for yourself and maybe not necessarily within the story. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, the darkness in your books, you know, yeah. there is darkness. There's darkness in most of them, you know, and, and you think about it, you could really go overboard on that. Mm-hmm. So is that is that a fine line, not to go over with that, and you know that it absolutely is, um, and it's it's one I I hope I'm I'm managing to walk that line, but uh, you know 
I feel like there are a couple books where I probably missed and skewed a little bit too far toward mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. toward the darkness. Um, trying to leaven it with you know a sense of, a sense of humor and just the character characters and setting that remind you of beauty and hope yeah, um, right. are very important to me. And particularly right now, I feel like um, not to get too political here, but everything's so we're so polarized, we're so beaten down by bleakness that when you pick up a novel, I, I want to be able to tell you a serious and dark story, but um, one that you can take some joy and hope from reading, right. too, yeah. and not just continue to, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah. pound away on negatives. Right, and I think this book definitely has that, that part Thank in it. You. Yeah, it right. really does. Yeah. Um, so, Matthias Burke. Yes. <laughs> one of those... And we all know those people. They're on varying degrees, you know, the upstanding mm-hmm. member of the, of the community, but they have that other side to them. Yeah. Whether it's a very dark side or maybe it's just not so up and up. So, so where did, and we don't want to give any more spoilers, yeah. but where did his DNA come from, you know, that you put this character together? You know, I was looking, and this is where we get back to, uh, you made the great comment before about character, um, a place as character. And... Uh, Matthias seems to me to be the embodiment of a community um, where they rely on these seasonal visitors. And um, the seasonal visitors, in many cases, can have a tendency to take the locals for granted and then also to pass themselves off as locals. Mm -hmm. And um, it it was familiar to me both from my time spent in Maine, but then also... Uh, I grew up in a college town, and so we had the town and gown thing. And you know that without the large university, you'd have uh, an entirely different town and the lack of culture. All of the opportunity that it brings is great, but in August when they come back, you know, if you grew up there, if you're a townie, it's always, oh, no, here they come. Yeah, right. And so I thought that was a psychology I could yeah, explore right, with yeah. at least some knowledge yeah, of first hand right, experience. for sure, for sure. So you were a newspaper reporter. Yes. But also, too, I was fascinated that you were you had an internship in high school working with a, a private investigator. Yeah, and that turned into uh, a part-time job. And yeah. actually, that, that was my full-time job until uh, I went to Little Brown with So Cold the River. Right. And yeah. uh, so that was... I didn't even have a driver's license yet. And <laughs> my school had a program called Independent Study. Oh, and I called so cool. three, I just opened, back in the good old days of the phone book, the yeah. yellow pages, we had uh, three listings for private investigators, and I called in alphabetical order, um, the first person politely declined, the second one just hung up on me, and then the third, it was Trace Investigations, and um, the investigator's name is Don Johnson, which is <laughs> fantastic PI <laughs> credibility right it there, is, you know, is. so. Don Johnson, uh, yeah. <laughs> He suggested we meet at a coffee shop downtown, yeah. and I said, okay. Um, and then I took a bus down and didn't mention to him that I didn't have a driver's license and uh, couldn't really contribute yet. But he was great to me, and I learned so much for that. That, you know, that is was so cool when you were in high school. Such a grist for the mill job. Yeah, so, so doing it in high school and then also doing it for your day job for a while, what were some of the most interesting or bizarre cases that you worked on, either with Don Johnson or on your own? Well, um, Bizarre, there was no shortage. I mean, just yeah. kind of the funny uh, anecdotes. I, yeah. could, I could go on forever. Um, a favorite involves someone who was uh, hiding in the bushes running a video camera and uh, an Amish construction worker. They were doing like a, a f- 
framing on a home. He came by and urinated on those bushes while she was in there. Uh, so I always found that one particularly hilarious <laughs> because it wasn't me. The uh, the more profound, um, I worked a lot of custody cases. Mm-hmm. Indiana was yeah. no fault divorce state. And when you saw children's lives at stake, uh, ideally you felt like your client was um, in the right. Sometimes you felt like mm-hmm. these kids just had no parent either yeah. way. And right. um, I worked a wrongful death case involving a, a child that oh. was just, um, that was one that really stuck with me. So yeah, I it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it had good days, bad days, funny days, yeah. you know, sad days, but right. you couldn't ask for a better education as a writer. No kidding, yeah. And what fodder for all of this, and, and to be really be on the ground and seeing yeah. this. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's incredible. So what is your earliest recollection of wanting to be a writer? Or, or you know, you got your degree in criminal justice, so, so what was that first, do you remember that first time when you were young when you thought you wanted to be a writer, or maybe work in law enforcement? Um, I was eight years old. I started writing letters to my favorite children's authors. Oh, and, um, and who were some of those authors? So there was one who uh, my father recommended to me. It was a writer named Keith Robertson, who Keith wrote these Robertson. books in the 50s and 60s. So my, my dad grew yeah. up on them. Yeah. And um, I wrote him a letter, and it, he had just died after it arrived. Or, yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. But his son wrote back, and we ended up having this correspondence for years. In fact, I'm still occasionally in touch with him. Um, there's a writer named Bill Wallace who would oh, Bill do Wallace, kind of sure. animal Yeah, uh, all books. the animals, yeah. Right. Um, there's always a different depth. There are usually children moved to new circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he wrote back to me numerous times. So um, from I, I knew what I wanted to do from a very oh, wow. early age. Yeah. I, I didn't want to have to work for a living. I, I wanted to write. Yeah. <laughs> wanted to make up stories. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you're doing a great job at this job, so I'm telling, <laughs> I'm telling you. Thank you. So, I know um, after the event tonight here on the story, you're going to be meeting with a bunch of IU, Indiana yeah, University. Hoosiers, right? Yeah, alumni, and you've, you've won a couple of alumni awards, so it's going to be great, because, and I think a lot of them are really looking forward to seeing you tonight. Yeah, so that's going to be, be special. It should be, should be really good. by that, and on hostile turf, too. I mean, <laughs> it's Big Ten country. The fact that's that you right. guys let that's me so bring a bunch of Hoosiers in yeah, here is that's right. very generous. Yeah. Um, so what's next? You said something when you have you a book comes out in the world and it's it's right. it's it's release day, and you are already working on the next manuscript. So yeah, exactly. Can you give us anything? Um, um, I can tell you the the working title is I'm still here, which we'll see if that lasts. It okay. might just be the way I feel after getting a draft done, and uh, it involves an assassin, um, a girl in a coma, and a disgraced race car driver. So. Oh. If I can't take those elements and make this thing go, I that sounds good. Yeah, I've got a problem. Okay, so. you got us already. And yeah. it'll be May next year. So. May next year. Yep. Well, Michael, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. Oh no, this is and congrats pleasure. on how it happened. And please come back with the next book next May. Thank you. Anytime. All right. Thanks so I much. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Great conversation with New York Times bestselling author Michael Carita. Started writing when he was 19 years old. This is his 13th novel. He's only 35, and it's called how it happened an incredible crime thriller that will keep you reading until the very end in one sitting thanks for joining me on authors revealed